Council got that MacBook Air. They like it. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm very nervous about the keyboard. Did you buy Aperture for it? Yeah. In the morning, Nathan Penetration. In the morning, Brian Black. You, uh, are you on it right now? No. Okay. It's nice I, that it has the Thunderbolt. Picture, yeah, there's two ports instead of one. Uh-huh. That, that was the biggest problem with the MacBook. It definitely was a very, very limiting factor. And the whole case would um, accrue heat. Yeah, because there was no way to cool it. Cooling. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah, the image that you, the picture that you sent me, I couldn't tell, is that rose gold, the one you got, or is it just gold? Yeah, it's uh, it's supposed to be gold, but the MacBook Air has this odd, almost rose gold color. It's, I was going to say, because I thought they killed off the rose gold with the MacBook. Yeah, the Mac, or the uh, I think the MacBook still has rose gold as an option, but that one is... Well, yeah, it was the only machine that you could get that was rose gold, though. You can't get a rose yeah. gold MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be um, vague. Like, you can't quite put your finger on it because of the way they shift the colors with the the treatment, the anodizing that they put on the aluminum. Even the yeah. black one, space black, those color sh- characteristics kind of shift. And you don't see that too much with the standard aluminum. Yeah, it kind of always stays the same. Yeah. I do like the space gray, though. That's my favorite. Uh, the only thing I wouldn't get space gray, though, is if, if I were going to get a, a new iPhone, I would get the gold. Like a 10s, or what is it? Yeah, 10S. yeah, yeah. And that that gold is kind of like it's similar to the MacBook Air in the sense that you can't quite put your finger on it. There's the white or the the whitish brown back almost has an opal characteristic. There's I, other character. There's other colors that come out. It's like a champagne gold. Yeah, yeah. That's I, a good way to. I, put I like it. it. I like that because if it's uh, if it's too bronze like or almost copper like, then it looks tacky to me. That brilliant yellow. Oh uh, yeah, I you know what's funny? I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but the last couple times I've gone to an Apple store, I'm looking at the 10Rs. Is it just me, or do, do they look cheap? Like the different color combinations. The they only have a one order. Well, it's not the board. It's not even the the display or the glass. It's well, I guess it would be the glass, but the like the back and then the so the color on the back and then the metal chassis of the phone. The colors they don't match up right. Like on, the, I was looking at the blue one. The blue anodized aluminum looks cheap to me. It looks like it's really hard to describe, but it's. There's something very cheap looking about it to me and it doesn't match the blue backing, like the the actual uh, flat blue behind the glass and the yellow was the same way too. When I looked at it, the only ones that look right are the black 
Like if my phone broke today and I had to get a new phone tomorrow, I would probably get the 10R in black because it's very uniform and it looks good. The only other one I would probably consider would be the white. The rest of them, there's just something, I think it's the aluminum. Like the, the way that they uh, dye or whatever they do to that anodized aluminum, it doesn't look right. It looks too light and shiny and metallic. Yeah. Like somebody's free carabiner that they got from an insurance company. That's exa- that's a perfect way to describe it. It's like a cheap carabiner color. Yeah, it's it, because it's aluminum. It doesn't and the look anodizing. Right. Yeah. The black it's, looks good because the black, they can pull it off. And the white, because you don't notice it as much because they make it silver around it. But the rest of them look terrible. And you notice the black borders a lot more. Like on, on the... Uh, the be- I guess you'd call it the bezels behind the glass. They pop out more when with the contrast of the color. You almost don't even notice it on the if you get it all in black. I I just realized um, I know somebody who might listen that has a red 10R. <laughs> <laughs> the red, Maybe at least, they'll you, know what, you know what though? Okay, red and black looks good together though. That's the one thing I'll give the red. Black always look like red always looks good with black. Blue. It's like it has to be the right shade of blue. And blue is my favorite color. Like I just am drawn to blue. Like I wanted to get that. Uh, remember when they did the uh, the 5C with the plastic color? Yeah. I The blue one of that, the blue version that of that cool. phone, I wanted one because it looked really cool. But I just, I feel like they don't, with that aluminum uh, chassis, it doesn't look right. So... I don't know. Maybe they'll. I mean, it's not like I'm. It's not like that would would prevent me from buying a 10R because I would just put a case on it anyway. But if I had to pick a 10R, I would do the black or the white. It must black be difficult preferably. to colorize aluminum. Yeah, the... it's easy to do metallic colors. Like if you're doing gold or silver or gray, you could do that a lot easier and make it look better than doing a blue or a yellow or a red but they can't get the i guess they kind of do it with the rose with the the gold macbook air i take it back i don't know maybe they they can't do it in bulk the rose gold it seems like it's just that champagne gold but they add a little bit of like red or uh, orange to it A red and orange. Yeah. But um, while we're on Apple stuff, do you want to talk about the that uh, fucking keynote a couple days ago? Not really. That was there's the not a lot worst. to talk about. The first couple of minutes were okay. The that fir- credit card yeah. looks interesting. They started off talking about the uh, TV. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot all about that already. Their plus subscription, where they're gonna the a la carte channels. That I don't understand that. I don't either. And How I don't, are they? And they showed their channel listing. I I was waiting for them at the end of that to say these are just some of our channels. It was like that was it. There was only like it looked like there was only twenty of them, 
and there were a bunch of shit that I've never heard of, like except for a couple. Like I think they had um, obviously the obvious ones like ESPN and stuff like that. But they what do they, what do you think their pricing is going to be realistically for that? Because I don't know how they're going to compete with a service like Sling, twenty five dollars a month, and you get thirty channels or YouTube TV, which I think is now forty or forty five. We're locked in at thirty five, and we get about the same amount of channels, like thirty five channels. So it's funny how they didn't announce. The only thing they announced the pricing for was. Uh... Oh wait, no, they didn't even do that. Did they announce pricing for the um, their original content that they're coming up with? I don't think so. There was something I thought that was like $10 a month. Uh, Apple Arcade. Okay, that was it then. Which, it's it was weird too, because for having this at the beginning of the year, all of the stuff that they talked about isn't coming out until the end of the year. Yeah. And there's rumors that that's because that's when they'll be announcing the next OS around then. And uh, the next version of Mac OS should support whatever is needed to have uh, iOS apps run on the Mac. Yeah, because so, they're going to add um, the um, TV app to Mac OS. Yeah, which explains why you pay $10 a month for Apple Arcade and you can play all your iOS games and games on your Mac because it would just be iOS games that are running natively on the Mac. I think if I'm going to be totally objective with everything that I saw, that whole keynote was garbage. The only thing that was even slightly interesting to me was the credit card. And the AirPods. It, it's pretty lucrative. They didn't announce the AirPods though. In the, oh shit, know. that's right. That was what, like really? that was just a reveal online. Yeah, that was just a silent. Just, oh. You wake up one morning, surprise! These are out, or they're selling them now. Um, All right. Yeah, they did that with the new uh, iPads too. I think they announced the iPads and the new AirPods at the same time. And nothing about air power, which means that that's probably not going to come out. They probably won't announce that until it won't be WW. It won't be WWDC. It'll be at the end of the year. It'll be like when they do their October one, which they don't always do, but I ha- they'll probably do one for October because that's when they did the uh, the hardware announcements last year for like the the updated Macs and stuff, and the Mac Mini. They're taking too long. I'm already buying these like cheap chinese chi chargers and they work yeah like yeah well and what do they that thing is gonna be the air power is gonna be so fucking expensive yeah that, and that thing why is would i buy be, it i already have so many wireless chargers i guarantee you that thing is gonna be at least 150 dollars. probably i'm gonna buy it anyway <laughs> I, I understand the need for a multi-device charger but I can't imagine other people. Well, not. I guess it doesn't matter what other people think. As long as they come out with it and I can buy it, I'll be happy. Um, but all these charge, these cheap chargers, really, 
eat away at my willingness to spend $150 on a three device charger. Yeah. Cause I can pay 20 bucks on Amazon and get two wireless chargers. And as far as I know, I don't think they would really do anything bad to your phone. Well, and the other thing with Apple too is not everything that they make is a good product. Some of the stuff they make is garbage. Like what? Like their silicone phone cases are garbage. They literally fall apart when you like after three months of use. Uh, the type cover for the iPads are almost universally panned. If you because I was I was looking at buying one because the new iPad Air that came out is basically the same form factor as the uh, the 2017 iPad Pro that I have, and so they announced a new type cover for the iPad Air that supposedly you it it. It could be inter- it should be interchangeable with the 2017 iPad Pros. They're selling the iPad Airs type cover at a lower price point than buying the type cover for the 2017 iPad Pro. And it's not compatible, so, or is it? It's supposed to be. I haven't seen any reviews, but it's literally the same form factor and it uses the smart connector. So all of the 2017 uh iPad Pro type cover reviews that I've read have said that it dies out. It just stops working after like a year. And it's pretty consistent. I just think that it's not as widely known because it's just an accessory. You know, so it's not talked about as much and complained about as much. Yeah. Like but they do make it, it's like it's just a certain um uh, It'll be like one product related to a specific product line that and that specific product, that specific accessory that they make has problems, but they don't ever get talked about because it's an accessory. But when you're spending one hundred and sixty dollars for a glorified keyboard, it should work longer than a year without having any problems. And it's not an item that you could buy AppleCare for either. I agree. And their keyboards are um pretty problematic recently yeah it's it's like a common theme it's funny if you even go back to like their old keyboards like the um remember the the old clear plastic the one i had the big dark keys yeah though they would get stuck like the keys would get like the lube would dry up yeah yeah you had to lube the keys and, you and if you use the wrong kind, press. Yeah. The, go ahead. If you use the wrong kind of lube, you would make the plastic sticky, and the keys wouldn't move. Yeah. You Got to use like anal lube, the thick stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's funny. Their keyboards are not great across the line. Like going back years, I've liked a lot of their keyboards. And I, I like them visually, and I've actually liked using them, except for when they kept making them thinner. I had a keyboard that needed anal lube. <laughs> the keys would get stuck. Like, I'd play games, and the W key would just, if you canted it just right, it would go down the hole, and it would go uh, kind of crooked in the sleeve, and it would get stuck. It's funny. All of their input devices kind of suck, if you think about it. They're mice. I knew you were going to go to the one button mouse. 
the mice i whooped your terrible. ass so many times with the one button mouse the mighty mouses was okay that was like the one mouse they made that was decent because it was at least resembled something ergonomic and it had two clicks and it had a uh, track a scroll ball thing i think in the middle do you remember the circular All, mouse that was a piece of shit yeah. it was a circle it was a piece of shit you could never tell which direction it's supposed to go yeah <laughs> the <laughs> oh my god their new mice circle. their new mice are terrible too i hate the magic mouse and the thing right. it is not or it, it is the definition of design over functionality yeah you have to it charge it from the bottom because fuck you you cannot use the mouse while it's charging no and it's not ergonomic you're it's like you're holding an edged piece of plastic it is pretty flat but technically yeah, you're right. I, I'll at least give the Magic Mouse one benefit of the doubt because that one, at least you could change the batteries out. You can put rechargeable batteries in it. Mighty Mouse 2, or I'm sorry, Magic Mouse 2 is a piece of shit. I use the trackpad. I use the trackpad at work. I use it at home. And then for owning you and teabagging your ass, what, what do I use? It's some, uh, some Chinese piece of shit. Let me redo the name. Uh oh there it is. Zowie. Oh yeah, great you have that. Yeah. What is that like a ten dollar mouse? <laughs> no, it was sixty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was sixty dollars and it emulates the physical feel of an MX five eighteen. Except it's got this the scroll wheel's clear, so I thought this is the uh, the Mark One version. This is the one that everybody talks about. The Mark Two one, something about it was a little different, and a bunch of neckbeards complained. So I got the Mark One. The thing I forgot to read was that the damn scroll wheel is illuminated. So at night I have a pink scroll wheel. Should be able to control that through software. Do they not have a Mac? Uh, There's utility? a button on the bottom. There is no utility for this mouse. It's purely mouse. It's just a traditional mouse with multiple inputs mm. that show up as mouse four or mouse five. That way it works in every operating system and every game universally. I don't need, I, I don't have to worry about my mouse having a fucking driver that makes the mouse show up as a keyboard and then it doesn't work in old games. It just shows up as different mouse inputs. So when I cycle the uh, input speed, the DPI, that changes it from like pink and purple and blue and Yeah. So I have no choice but to have a tasteless, glowing mouse that illuminates my ceiling when I play games. My mouse has like a illuminated scroll wheel too, but I can disable that in the uh, so configuration software. My wall looks like a barcode scanner. <laughs> um, State-of-the-art Chinese technology. But it works. Yeah. I was, I guess, I was thinking of like one of those MSI mice that you'd find if you went like to the mouse aisle at Micro Center. They have like mice that are like ten to twenty dollars. It's usually like Gigabyte or MSI brand. Yeah, but they and never they have like, the right keys or the right uh, side buttons. The correct yeah. side buttons, like they'll they'll have one, and I want a forward and a back because I use forward to talk shit to you and mumble, and then I use back to talk shit in game. 
Logitech is the gold standard for mice. They're they're bringing back that 518 again. Yeah, I was just gonna tell you about that. You already know, okay? Yeah. Don't they go by Logi now? That's like their they changed their logo or whatever their branding, but they're still Logitech. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. My G703 says Logitech on the bottom. Bringing back the classic mouse. Yeah. If you like the form factor or Zowie, you would like this, uh, the G703. This is the best wireless mouse I have ever used. It has the same latency as being wired. They have some proprietary... Yeah, I hate that stuff. The little USB dongle? Yeah. But you can you can use it wired or wireless, and it charges while you use it wired. So I alternate between the two. One of the but big this, problems. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say this mouse is really impressive. One of the big problems I have with uh, USB input. I guess I should have that problem with Bluetooth too. Uh, they can emulate pretty much uh, anything. There's nothing about a particular input device that uh, that when I plug in a mouse, it doesn't have to be a mouse. The mouse can technically act as a mouse, but issue keystrokes and then store stuff in a little storage, uh, a little piece of flash memory in the mouse. And if I hook up a little Logitech insecure uh, a little dongle hanging out of the back of my computer that could be a fucking keyboard for all I know yeah yeah I don't I don't like the idea of using the USB dongle but I tried using the Bluetooth version of the same mouse and oh they're so horrible. bad and I don't understand it's- why they're so bad I can buy an Apple mouse, the one you hate, that little piece of glass that cuts your fingers when you use it, and yeah. it has the low latency, it works just like a normal mouse, and then you use any other Bluetooth device, and it's slow, and then when you go to, like, you click a, a window and you drag it across the screen, it strobes. Huh. Yeah, the 603 is the Bluetooth version of the mouse I have. That was terrible. Um, Did you hear about Firefox lockbox? No. That's a password manager. I'm looking it up. I'll drop a link. Lockbox.firefox.com. So they're becoming like a services company now. Which now I kind of want to like smack my forehead. Duh. That's what they should have been doing. They were so focused on uh, making weird partnerships with the web browser. Like Firefox. I kind of don't trust Firefox because of the weird shit they did with Pocket. Remember that thing? No. Oh, you click this button and you can save pages and 
stick it in your pocket. It was a commercial company, and they included their service into Firefox as some marketing thing. Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. They must How have long some, ago was that? Uh, since we've been doing the show, like five or six huh. years. It's still in there. Pretty sure it is. They must have some weird enterprise salespeople, and they just... They're working their the friend network. Yeah. Because that's a bizarre deal. But I'm glad that they're doing this uh, lockbox and Firefox send thing. Mozilla. Firefox. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm looking at the Pocket app right now. Or Pocket web page. Fill your pocket in Firefox. Huh. Right, I don't understand how either one of them makes money, but somebody's filling their pockets. Uh, Firefox makes this cool tool called SOP. SOP. Mm. I should actually pull it up while I'm talking about it, so I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Mozilla SOP. Same origin policy. No secrets. Man. Uh. I don't know what it stands for. I'll drop the link. Here it is on GitHub. Um, like secrets operations. It's a handy when utility. I Google this, yeah. Sorry, no, I was going to say when I Google this, it's bringing up CSS shit. Cross-origin yeah. CSS. Same origin policy is a, a browser thing. Okay. Um, this is an encryption and decryption tool. And it lets you use certain functions, cryptographic functions in cloud services like Amazon or GCP. You can use the AWS KMS system, the key management service, to create a key and then use that key in your instance like a YubiKey would function. So there's an RSA key in some hardware cryptographic module somewhere in the Amazon data center. And then you would use Mozilla SOPS to reference the ARN, the resource name of uh, the KMS key, and then encrypt or decrypt stuff with it. Huh. Which is cool because that means... You could have a PGP key uh, on the server that you don't want to expose the password to, or you don't want to leave it clear text on the the file system because you could technically have a noisy neighbor that tries to steal your key out of memory. Right. I guess this technically doesn't stop that part, but what it does stop is if the server, if somebody exfiltrates the key from your server, it's not decrypted. You could keep a password encrypted in a text file on your disk use mozilla sops to decrypt print the contents of the text file which is the password and then pipe that password into your gpg uh, decryption function and decrypt whatever it was that you had that you need a gpg for huh. all without ever storing the di- the password on disk de- uh, decrypted and without revealing the key. I mean, you could 
you might as well just use your uh, your KMS as your RSA key, but I don't know if it can act. I'm not sure that you can use KMS through the GPG agent to act as a key like you could with a YubiKey. Yeah. Sorry, one sec. Um, same thing works with recording Google Cloud Platform. Looks like Azure's got um, something like that too. So what's the um? I lost my train of thought. That's all right. I've got more stuff to, to say about Git Annex and the Helm. Helm uh, personal server, I guess is what they're calling it now. The mail, the mail server. Mail server, yeah. So the mail server is the default function. Mail, calendar, contacts, all of that syncs with my local server now. This little uh, like A-frame looking box that sits on my desk. It's got a cool looking design. They updated it recently and added file syncing. And the file syncing I was a little nervous about because I thought, well, if they're making it themselves, then there's all kinds of years of debugging and shit's not going to work. They went with NextCloud, which is based off of OwnCloud, the one of the founders. Yeah, I was, when you mentioned that the other day, I started looking into that a little bit. It's kind of interesting because OwnCloud was a... Um, it became a commercial business. Yeah, it... It was you could run plugins for it in um, stuff like FreeNAS and um, yeah, Open Media Vault, and the Drobo, and uh, what's the other one? All those NAS. It was kind of cool. I could just never get it to work properly. Yeah, so I don't have to set anything up. All I had to do was open the Helm app, enable files, and then tap on a user. It shows me the credentials used for that user. I can sign into my browser. I can sign in on my phone. I can sign in on um, the in like Windows Explorer or the Finder on the Mac using WebDAV, which is pretty cool because then you can drag and drop stuff as a local, like a, a LAN resource or another internet resource. You can just mount it as another disk. Yeah, yeah that's cool. And then it's all stored on your local machine. Um. And then I was th- I was looking at uh, Git Annex because somebody at work brought it up, and Git Annex lets you take uh, your information and then manage it like a Git repo. But the difference is, you can have certain assets in the repository stored on a remote Git Annex. A remote Git Annex. I guess I just call it a remote Annex because it doesn't necessarily have to run uh, Git or SSH. Because And you're hosting your own repository with that? You would just use Git Annex as locally on your file system, create a repository, and then you'd specify some remote storage locations. Oh, I see. Okay. And then it would start syncing that stuff to the remote. I actually attempted it today. And it is confusing. And I fucked everything up because I did something wrong. Yeah, the way you were describing it to me, I couldn't really follow the, the full uh, scope. Once I figure it out, I'll tell you how to not fuck it up like I did. But um, for now, the concept is I can file away. 
I could have like a little, like I have, I can have a 12 terabyte disc on my desk right now, put all my stuff on there. And then I can just say, take all the stuff over here and all the stuff over here and make two copies. I want, I want one copy to go to Google uh, drive because I have unlimited storage and I want the other one to go to whatever Dropbox or something or S3 because they have uh, remote annex plugins for Git annex that supports that. So when I want that file, because I'm no longer storing it, what I would do is I would say uh, Git annex sync the files to those remote annexes that I defined, and then I would um, Git annex drop the file. So the file still looks like it's there on my file system, but when I want it, I would have to get and I would say git git annex git get, and then it would get that file. Okay. Hmm. So if you're used to using git, this is a kind of a no-brainer. You don't normally drop an individual file and pull it down again like that, but it it still functions like git. The way you would probably use it most of the time is just syncing. The way right. I want to use it is I want to commit master copies, offload almost all of it, pull it down whenever I want, and then the problem is, the problem is the data I would want to be want to be syncing is not going to be allowed to be stored on any cloud uh, platform. Well, that's the great thing because it's bis it's it's using Git to handle all the metadata and stuff. You can. You can use um, gcrypt, I think is what it's called, or gitcrypt. Oh, so you're saying encrypts everything? You can pre-egress encrypt it before it hits the remote annex. And you can define different keys per remote annex. I'm going to need a more powerful... um, Like, this is not something I'm going to be able to do from Raspberry Pis, am I? Oh, totally. Encrypt the data? Uh, It should be able to handle it. And then if you're using something like S3, Drive, not Drive, uh, any of the Amazon services, any of those cloud providers, you could technically specify your own KMS key for that remote storage, but then you're trusting them and their hardware crypto to encrypt it. So you just have to structure how things are going to be stored based on your imagined Yeah, because I've been looking for a solution. I've been looking for a solution to get all that shit out of BT sync that I've been like that server that uh, OMB server isn't even on online anymore. It's been offline for months. So I want to get, I, I just, I want to get rid of that machine. I don't need it anymore. And it sucks way too much power. I just want to get all that data out onto maybe some four terabyte drives that are mirrored. It would have to be some shitty software mirror, some software raid. But I and then get attach that to like a Raspberry Pi or several Raspberry Pis at different locations, and then find some way to sync that data. And then if I want a cloud, if I want another node that was in the cloud, so whatever service that is, yeah, um, the trick is going to be getting local storage for that remote node. Good luck with that, especially if you're using something like, um, yeah, the storage is going to it's going to be too expensive, yeah. Yeah, you could use a git annex and then specify those disks as the the location. So when you say git annex git that file, 
or what look up the status of the file or the uh you tell it where is that file it'll specify the disk then you look in your records for that disk with that label plug in the disk and then you can get the file or sync the files back to your local cache what's the um well like the glacier storage what is the limit for accessing that stuff at the fixed price uh there's like a deep archive one where you don't get access to the files for a really long time. I don't know. You have to. Is there one that you could do like once a month? I think there's a fee with Glacier. So you so would they, probably they charge want, you each time you access it. You'd want reduced redundancy on S3 or infrequent access. I'm thinking of maybe just like I would use the S3 service to store snapshots of the data. So I would normally sync between all my local storage devices on different networks. And then I would have a snapshot of that data saved maybe once a month to something like S3. Yeah, it works a little different than what you're thinking. You're thinking of it like a backup. It That's why I was like asking how often you can access, how often you can write or how often you can... If there was some storage service where you could you could have a lot of storage but only access it sparingly, then that that would be what I'm talking about. But uh, <clears throat> you could archive this stuff with Glacier, the standard Glacier tier, not the deep archive one. Then you okay. might you might have to wait like an hour or two. To get the but file. that's still going to be pretty pricey, though. If I want to have, yeah, I have to look at the pricing. But the pricing's so complicated. I'm not sure. B two would be another inexpensive one that Git Annex might support. It is S three compatible, so that should work because it says it works with anything that's S three compatible. Let's okay. Git Annex and then special remote. There's a link on here somewhere. Well, here, I'll just I'll put the link in the show notes and we can look it up after the show. I think it's too complicated for on-air. Um, Git Annex itself has a little web app that you can launch from the command line to help you configure some things. And then it just runs as a daemon in the background for syncing unless you have syncing disabled in which case you just cd into the repository and uh, manually sync your stuff okay oh and it supports web dev forget annex so i could use a i could use my helm as my git annex yeah that's cool there's not enough storage in the helm but i could does it have any USB ports on the back? Can you add any storage to it? It has USB-C on the top and the back. And on Can one mount, ha- like, is there a way to get into the file system and mount drives and stuff? There is a way to get into the case and mount a drive. Okay, on, but I mean, like, through Linux, is there a way to do it? 
there's basically no way to interact with the helm itself besides the app. Okay. The fact that you can enable files and then hit a web interface is new. And that's just to interact with uh, Nextcloud for managing the file syncing and stuff. And that's like a basic version of Nextcloud. I don't think there's any plugins. Um, you can pull out the other side of the A-frame of the helm. The helm, it's, it's like the letter A. The, the case itself looks like the letter A where the guts of it are in the top part of the it A. It looks like an upvote arrow or like a... Um... Yeah, like an up arrow. And it yeah. sits on your desk with a big empty gap in the middle. But there's heat sink in between there that actually gets pretty warm. And that's how it cools itself off passively without a fan. And on the other side, so one side has the actual CP, the the processor, the little ARM chip with 2 gigs of RAM and 128 gig NVMe. Mm-hmm. There's also a battery backup in there. On the opposite side is a tray that's empty. And that is for a 2.5 inch drive. Huh. So you can potentially add local storage to it. Yeah, you could put a five terabyte drive in there potentially huh they do five terabyte two and a half inch they do i was looking wow. into it today it's gonna be so slow oh, yeah it'll be 5400 rpm so i tried to look into a hybrid uh 2.5 inch drive and i guess they don't make very many because they were lower capacity and then the only ones i could find on new egg were 3.5 inch I just go, I mean, is there a reason you need five terabyte? I would say just go with a, a reliable two terabyte drive. That should be enough. Yeah. I just wanted to go all the way. You want reliability over, because something like that, like that, you don't want to have to take that thing apart every time yeah, there's a problem. That's true. I really and don't want to have to do half, anything. Two and a half inch drives in general are unreliable. Because they're smaller moving parts and less heat tolerance because they don't have unlike a three and a half inch drive three and a half inch drives have that whole metal enclosure to absorb heat whereas the two and a half inch drives don't i think the um Western well, the Western Digital Black drives are generally considered reliable. I think they do a two terabyte black drive. They're supposed to be a better performance too. I don't. I don't think they're seventy two hundred RPM. I think they're still fifty four. But that would probably be your best bet. Something like that, and they have a five year warranty. All right. I'm not sure that it's officially supported yet, so I don't think it'll format the drive or anything when I plug it in. But based on what I can see in the Helm version of Nextcloud, it looks like there's more room for buttons at the top. So I'm betting they'll have a VPN. And then at some point, the ability to add a drive and format it. The VPN would be nice. Yeah. More things you can do with that, the better. Yeah, because most of my VPNs that I've set up using outline not the fault of outline it's the fact of the provider that i'm using it's a problem with the provider that i'm using um i can't use certain services any financial services blocks any of my ips coming out of vulture because some fucking new fag used it as a, a spam host or something at some point or their server got compromised 
instead of right. being good and covering their tracks. So those yeah. IPs are basically burned almost permanently. So systems that use intrusion prevention flag the IPs of my VPNs. Huh. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, last thing I guess I was going to touch on is uh, I think we talked a while back about uh, the Elder Scrolls game that came out for iOS. Because I think it was announced a year ago at I think it was originally announced at um, WWDC. Some, yeah, WWDC. And then they actually had the gameplay shown at E3 following that last year. And they delayed it a few times. It was supposed to come out like November or December of last year. Then they delayed it. And then I think it was supposed to come out at the beginning of the year. They delayed it again. Now they finally have an early access version of it for iOS. So I think I talked to you into signing up on their site. I signed up for it, and then we both got just the application installed automatically. On Were our you devices. very confused? Because I was. I was, I was like, because I, I, I almost forgot about the game because I was like looking forward to playing it, and then I like forgot about it because they just delayed it so many times. And then I'm like swiping through my phone, and then I see the icon there. I'm like, what the fuck? And yeah, so they did like a overnight release for all of the people that signed up for early access. The thing is though, is that they are rolling out the actual access to it because you and I can't actually play the game right now. It's installed on our phones, but it won't like the authentication server won't load. So I think what they're doing is they're stress testing right now because the company that develops the Elder Scroll games has a reputation for releasing janky products at their launch and then improving them slowly over time. And I have a feeling that this game is going to be too. Um, but it's cool because it's like, uh, you remember that game? Um, what was it? It was the, the slashing game. It was the Unreal 3 engine game. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Infinity Blade. Yes. Infinity Blade. It's like that, but it's like you can actually move around freely and stuff and explore areas. So, and it's based in the Elder Scrolls world, which I'm already a fan of because I've. It's one of the oldest PC game franchises. I think the 25th anniversary is this year. I won't be satisfied until they add a nudity mod. <sighs> They're probably not going to have mods for iOS. They have tons of mods I on know. PC. PC's great. You can add big old knockers in that game yep you can like hd texture pack yeah hd texture pack you can edit the voices um yeah that was skyrim skyrim is like a seven or eight year old game now that's crazy to think about they're supposed to be releasing elder scrolls 6 they announced it last year who knows when it's going to come out but yeah, the Elder Scrolls games are good. They're, I mean, I like the Fallout games too because like Elder Scrolls games are basically fantasy setting, medieval style, and then Fallout games are like futuristic, post-apocalyptic, but like the same kind of gameplay and interactions. It's like StarCraft to Warcraft in that regard. 
but I've always been a bigger fan of Elder Scrolls. Fallout games are good, but Elder Scrolls kind of was always more interesting to me. Um, another surprise announcement today was the sequel to Risk of Rain. Oh yeah, Risk of Rain 2 in 3D. I don't know if you saw any of the gameplay for it. It looks very interesting. It's third person, fully 3D, but they can't, they kept like the same artistic style. I'm just wondering how difficult and how frustrating it's going to get when you're getting swarmed by aliens in third person. It was already difficult enough in 2D side-scrolling. Like, when you can't even see what's behind you in third person, that is going to add like a whole na- whole another layer of complexity. Because that game was hard. I remember playing that with you and Troy, the first one. It's yeah, really did, difficult. Did we ever beat it? I think we did. I think we got close it was like twice. One, I think one map we beat, I think. Because there's different, it's like random generated each time. Yeah, but I think we got to the end multiple times and we just couldn't finish the last level. Oh, okay. Or what Maybe. we thought was the last level. Yeah, the new one looks pretty good. I think I'm going to buy it. I was gonna. I almost bought it before we started recording because I wanted to talk about it more. But it's got overwhelmingly positive reviews in Steam, which is a good sign. But I was watching some YouTube videos of people playing, and it looks like it's pretty difficult. Bringyourwallet.com/slash/contact for feedback and suggestions. Sayonara.